If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome back to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where I talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. I'm your host, Brad Burke. I am a sports marketer in Chicago, and welcome back to the pod. Plowing through a very busy summer, a very weather schizophrenic summer, a very going to flood my basement three to potentially four times this summer. Summer, please stop raining in Chicago. Thank you to all who have been tuning into the recent shows. Uh, appreciate the feedback. Appreciate the crosstalk on on Twitter. Follow the show at either place. Spread the word. If you know a basement guy, <laughs> DM me. DM's open for that. And speaking of DM's, on today's show... Alexi freaking Lawless. That's right. U.S. soccer legend, arguably the face of soccer analysis in this country. He works for Fox Sports. You just saw him breaking down the Women's World Cup from Europe for damn near a month straight. Uh, The guy is all over the place. And he's been on the show before for his love of music. We had him on you know, way back, I think, in episode 45 to break down his entire musical catalog. And Lo and behold, the World Cup kicks off, and what does Alexi do? Posts on Twitter, new album out, guys. Check it out, or don't, don't care. And I'm like, oh, I care. I'm checking it out. I'm sliding into your DMs, Alexi, and I'm inviting you on the show, and that's exactly what I did. We pride ourselves here on uh, having a completest view of the Alexi Lawless musical catalog, and we cannot go forward without breaking down the new album, called Look At You. I, you know, if, if, you, if you listen to our first interview with Alexi, you know what to expect from the music. We'll try and play a few clips throughout the interview so you get a sense for uh, for the album itself. You can go download it. It's on Apple. It's on Amazon. It's on Spotify. Check it out. As I mentioned to Alexi, m- most of my iPod is now <laughs> Alexi Lala's tunes just because I've downloaded his entire catalog for for the interviews we've done. It's, it's fascinating to me to catch back up with him as he's releasing new work. And to sort of see, you know, where are you in your life? How is what you're doing now informing the music that you're making at the moment? And I think we had a really interesting talk about it. You know, he, he, he does get quite open about my, you know, I try to make music that is open to interpretation. I want you, the listener, to have an engaged, um, you know, personal connection and, and, and thought process about my music on whatever terms you want to do. And, and, and yet... It is a, as he says, it's a diary of him. When you listen to his songs, when you when you listen to what he's singing about, it's it's his way of of thinking through, you know, his you know his experiences both in the sports world, outside the sports world, as well as just what he's doing in the moment. So, and look, the guy unquestionably has a ton of energy about music. He loves talking about it. He loves breaking down his influences. He loves describing, you know, what he was thinking about, why he makes the choices he makes. And I, I, I really was, was happy with, with, with being able to sit down and, and do this kind of an interview where we, we just kind of went track by track for the most part and just talked about, you know, thematically, you know, here's the way I think about your music and here's a great example of it, you know, coming through, why do you make lyrics like this? You know, when, when do you decide to do different types of instrumentation? You know, you know we, we geek out, man. You don't come to the show to get surface level uh, I drop a, a Reddit-sized theory on why this thing is a uh, a concept album. You know, <laughs> Alexa gives me his his read on whether I was right or wrong. You will have to judge for yourself when you hear him respond. So again, check out the the, the music. It's on Spotify, Amazon, Apple. Uh, go download his other albums. You know, going back to the '90s or or, or seek out some clips and look. Alexi's a guy with strong opinions. He's a guy, a guy with, who's not going to censor himself when he's breaking down the flaws in the games of, of big stars or, or U.S. soccer culture in general or organizational flaws, whatever you want to call it. So he's someone who elicits a lot of you know, passionate responses, uh, potentially kind of trolly responses on Twitter. All that said, we started this show uh, almost four years ago specifically to show off the things that People in the sports world are authentically and not cynically 
passionate about. And I, I really believe listening to Alexi talk about his musical career is one of the greatest examples of why I still do the show. You know, why, why do I keep it around? Because talking to someone who's got this level of energy and passion and excitement uh, to, to share, you know, their, their, their personal passion projects with the world, knowing that it's going to get, you know, trolly, <laughs> trolly comments from the people who are already trolling him about how he feels about Harry Kane or how he feels about, you know, Pulisic or whatever else, I think shows that, you know, here's a guy who just loves making music, loves talking about the process of doing it, loves sharing the music with the world. And, and that's why this show exists. So enough from me. Let's, let's hear from him. Let's talk music with Alexi Lalas, U.S. Soccer, icon and then stick around after the interview i will be back to distract you well you live for tomorrow to escape yesterday you're running a race but you're running the wrong way a laugh incomplete a laugh pulled together tender to touch but broken forevermore we all know life can be a You're in Europe. You're covering the World Cup. I saw on Twitter you run into someone who's got, I believe, like either Ginger or like one of the initial like '90s albums, right? <laughs> and you and you say, hey, here, here, here we go. Alexi Lala's musical career is still a worldwide phenomenon. What, what was it? What was it like to run into that? And uh, how aware was she of um, that she's standing in front of you at first? Like, how did that conversation go? So I went back uh, a couple weeks ago to a place called Padova, which is a city right outside of Venice. It's a city that I played at way back in the 1900s, and I hadn't been <laughs> back for 23 years. And um, I had recorded an album in Italy called Far From, Far From Close. It's actually okay, a song. Gotcha. It's on the discography. You can, you can find it out there uh, online and everything like that. But I recorded it there, and it was released in, uh, in you know, CD form. And evidently was also released in cassette form. And this, this woman <laughs> came up to me at this appearance that I was doing. And she not only had that album that I had uh, recorded and released in Italy, but she had it in cassette form. So it was this this relic, literally a relic from the past uh, <laughs> that she held up. And so it was amazing to see, first off, that she had it. Second off, that she had it in cassette form, which maybe for some of your listeners is uh, I'm speaking gibberish here. But it was a it was a it was a format that existed back in the 1900s that was very prevalent uh, around uh, <laughs> my time. And it was right at the end when they were still releasing some cassettes and especially in Italy where people hadn't quite caught up to the CD uh, phase. So it was funny. It was funny to go back there. But once again, just to see the tentacles of of the music part of my life uh and while while i'm certainly no uh david hasselhoff when it comes to uh my <laughs> my global or my international impact uh out there it's just funny to see random people and i, I get this all the time uh you know random people that the music has touched you know in a way that maybe the the soccer part of my life uh, hasn't and that's always incredibly gratifying to see something like like that because it is as we've talked about before you know, this labor of love, and I'm certainly not doing it to, to get rich or to uh, appeal to the masses. I do it uh, each and every time to, you know, for the three people that uh, get the album, including my mom and, and evidently this wonderful woman in Italy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, uh, by the way, Far From Close, I, 95, right, was the year it came out? Yep. That, that, yep. You do know what that means. That means as a solo artist, you're eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame next year. Wow. Uh, there's a couple people in line uh, before me that will probably uh, have something to say about that. But you never know with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They do some strange things. So if they want to do it to uh, to benefit me uh, and everybody, to the consternation of everybody else, that would be wonderful. So, by the way, before we get into the album, like when you're in Europe, did you think at all about hunting down the other Alexi Lalas? We talked about this last time, that the guy who like gets into your... Uh, your, your Google search history. I, I haven't seen any new music from him in a while. I was kind of trying to find it, but th does that ever still pop up? Do you ever, is it still sort of a, I think we, we talked about it as the bane of your, uh, your digital existence last time. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So there's this band called Alexi Lalas, which uh, on the, uh, on the surface is, is wonderful. I, I'm incredibly 
uh, you know, uh, proud and privileged to, to be able to have somebody out there that, uh, and I'm humbled to be able to have somebody go out there and, and name their band my name. The problem is, is that when I also am delivering music to the masses on the platform with the <laughs> algorithms that exist, sometimes when you type it in, his stuff will come up and it's very, very, um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of like um, ethereal type of uh, yeah. a, a much more avant-garde type of music as opposed to the, the pop rock stuff that I do. So if you do listen to it, uh, if you like it, then definitely it's me. If you don't like it, then it definitely <laughs> it's him. But do a little bit more in terms of, uh, of the search. And I think I've gotten you know, to the Spotify's of the world. And I think we've, uh, you know, collated and, and, and figured out a way to get everything together. So you're going to my music, but uh, I have not, I have, like you said, he hasn't released a whole lot lately, which is, which is good. So my discography is kind of taking hold, uh, which is, uh, I guess, a good thing, unless you're a real fan of the other Alexi Lawless, in which case uh, have at it. <laughs> well, last time you were on, I mean, look, the new album's called Look At You. Last time you were on, you talked about your overall musical catalog is is a bit of a a diary that that you can look mm -hmm. back and sort of see what your life is, how it's progressed, how you've evolved through the music. So with that with that framework in mind, I, I was curious, how would you describe, you know, how this music reflects your current moment in life? And I have some interpretations of that myself, but I wanted to start with just how do you sort of um, analyze like what this music means as yeah. you think about what it says about you and and who you are at this moment. All right. So let me preface this. Uh, and I think it's important because, you know, there's some artists that believe that their interpretation uh, of, of what they wrote, obviously because they were there and wrote it and had an idea of what they were writing about supersedes everything else. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I love seeing storytellers and artists go behind and, and explain how the whole process came about, whether it's the writing, whether it's the recording, what's the production. I love that. But I am also of the opinion that as an artist, as soon as you release that art to the world, somebody else's interpretation of it is as valid as yours is, even though you right. are the, the, the original writer. And so I, I'm coming at, at it from this is what this is what I intended at the moment. But by no means does that mean that if you have a different interpretation, that is not as valid as, as what I'm saying. So every collection of songs and I still write collections of songs. I know in this day and age, it's, it's not really we yeah. don't talk about albums as collections of songs, but. They are a diary for me. I don't keep a formal diary, but I can go back and look at, at, at my songs and the albums and know where I was physically. But I also can look at the lyrics and, and see what's going on uh, going on in my life. And so, you know, uh, you know, look at you uh, is is a, a you know, I, I love I love wordplay in having multiple meanings. And so. You know, for example, the album's called that, but there's also a song called uh, Look At You. And um, when you say look at you to somebody, especially, in, you know, this is the way that I, that I was thinking about it. You can say it in different ways. You can say, look at you. Gosh, you're all grown up and you're, you're so strong and you're so beautiful and you're so intelligent. Look at you. And that's a real positive type of way of saying something. But you can also look at someone and say, look at you. How dare you look at you? How how could you possibly? So there, you can also you can say the same words and they can have two very, very distinct meeting, meanings. And so whether it's the name of the album, whether it's the name of the song and there's other songs on this album, like Get You Back, which can be interpreted and viewed and, and experienced in completely different ways. And I love doing that from a from a lyrical, a lyrical standpoint. So a lot of this is, you know, where we are in this day and age. And this isn't a political album or anything like that. But certainly the um, the age of social media and the age of everybody having a platform and a broadcasting type of scenario to the world. Uh, I don't see that necessarily as a negative. But, you know, there is there is all of this incredible content which ultimately is about, you know, look, look what I'm doing, look at me. And I don't, once again, I don't see that necessarily as a negative. There's certainly some negatives uh, out there. So I think that's where a lot of this was coming from. The artwork on the album is a picture of me, but it's coming through an actual cell phone. And so there's all that about, uh, um, are you looking at me? Am I looking at you? Are we looking at, at, at each other um, in this day and age? And it's not, it's not necessarily 
narcissism. It's just the reality of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the technology that we live in and the performance art, if you will, that is everyday life. And there's, there, that comes armed with incredible positives and negatives. But the reality is that this is, this is the world that we live in. And certainly from a performance standpoint and for someone who goes on camera every single day and someone who has lived their life in, in a performance type of mode, that, uh, that, that impacted me and that influenced me in terms of the writing of the record. So that's a big picture type of, of view of what this record was about. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that. In fact, I, I looked at the cover art quite a bit and w- where I sort of mentally processed it was the, the, the choice to make the selfie look more like a painting to me was an expression of, you know, hey, a, a digital reflection of you, the person is still not real. It's as artificial potentially sure. as an oil, an oil painting of you in a way. Now, again, I'm not, now I'm not doing armchairs, you know, uh, analysis here, but I think to your point, I think, and we talked about this before. Like, you do encourage people to, to you know, find their own meaning in the album. In fact, what I was going to do is maybe kind of go song by song, ask my sure, questions sure. specifically, kind of through the lens of the music. And at the end, I, I do have an interpretation of this entire album as one sort of collective concept album. That I want to run by you and just see what you think. So that'll be wow. So I, I'm, I'm, I am sitting on a couch right now, but I will lie down on my couch. So you can psychoanalyze <laughs> me all you want. I love yes, it. Yes. Only on just not sports. Do you get this much, uh, <laughs> this much, uh, you know, uh, over analysis. So look at you. Uh, yeah. Again, you already kind of mentioned it last time we talked, you know, the title track, first track, you write albums as a collection of songs with an intentionality behind it. So from that perspective, how do you decide on the table setter, the intro track, and what about this song specifically did you think made it the right entree for the listener to get into the album? So I remember reading years ago when I was growing up in the 80s about the recording of Slippery When Wet from uh, Bon Jovi, and they were recording it up in Vancouver, and they recorded, I don't know, 20 songs or something like that, and they would take them out, or, or they, would, they would invite back in young people uh, to, uh, to the studio, play the songs, and see what their reaction was. So look, it was a focus group and stuff like that. So I have, I have young people in my, uh, in my house in the form of teenagers, and uh, so I would listen to them, what they had to say. I listened to the adults in my life, because just because a teenager likes it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good, and doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to take it. But I put all of these different voices together, and I, I try to get as much of a focus group as I can, and then ultimately I make the choice as to what the sequencing is uh, on, the, uh, on the actual album. And you know, a lot of people gravitated to this and to others. And so I, I put them and, you know, in this day and age where basically someone's just clicking on that first song and it's, it's almost even more important than it ever has been to have coming out of the gate, something that's going to, you know, hopefully grab their attention. But inevitably I will, I will come up with people who at least took the time to go through the second and third and maybe even the fourth song that will say, well, why, why wasn't this one first and stuff like that? So I don't, there is no exact science, uh, not Bon Jovi aside or anybody else. So I, I just, in talking to people and, and if I don't believe in it, then I'm not going to do it. But ultimately I, I trusted the, the people that I was listening to. And I also ultimately I trusted myself in, in the sequencing of the album. That's why look at you uh, came first. doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's, it's what I believe is the best song or, or my favorite song, but I felt it was a good starter. It's got, it's got a little U2-ish, um, and I was really trying to picture this much more in a live type of setting, some of these right. songs, and it's got a real U2-ish type of start to it, uh, and then goes on, uh, goes on from there. If someone said to me, what would you describe as like the signature Alexi Lalas sound? The first thing I would say, and it's fair or unfair, I, I would say like, that that sort of like driving guitar and to, to your point about U2, like the early sort of U2 where the edge is just sort of like always like moving the song, pro- propelling the song forward with the, with the with the guitar. But has it but that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's always loud. It's just like always kind of yeah. like yeah. steering things forward. So I think that's an interesting parallel. With that said, do, do you feel like you have a signature, uh, you know, trait to your music or or or, or something like that that you would describe as, as, as your sound? Uh, well, just from a song structure perspective, um, I 
it's not that I don't like guitar solos, but I don't like guitar solos. <laughs> <laughs> so especially on the last four, four albums or so, uh, you'll find that a lot of them even come in under three minutes. And that's because the traditional type of guitar solo breakdown uh, doesn't necessarily happen. There are some. Uh, uh, and certainly in, in look at you, there's a, there's, there's a solo and stuff, but I don't do a whole lot. So you'll find that they're very short, uh, bite sized types of, uh, types of songs. Yeah. And look, dynamics are something that we've all worked on uh, and, and separating out the verses from the choruses and building, you know, and having the first verse be different than the second verse. Usually it's verse chorus or, you know, uh, verse pre-chorus into the chorus, uh, verse pre-chorus in the chorus, uh, then, you know, a, a, a type of B section or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then, and, uh, and then the outro. So there is a, a, um, a, a structure and a more traditional structure to the pop rock type of song, uh, that I'm doing. All, there's a lot of breakdowns at times with, uh, you know, acoustic guitar voice or just voice, uh, or, once again, those dynamics are, are really, I think, important, especially when you have a small song. And it's, it's even sometimes more difficult when you have a, a sorry, a, a shorter song to get those dynamics in. And so I'm, I am forever in search of the perfect pop song. I have yet to find it uh, and I certainly <laughs> have, yet, I have yet to write it. But my quest continues. So the second song, Get You Back. Yep. I'm sure this is a love song. In my head, though, I just couldn't get out of my head like a team sort of training to run it back one more time, like win a title again. So it, it made me kind of think, how fair or unfair is it for the listener to be putting your music, fitting your music into a sports context? And is that... Do you, do, you find, do you find that feedback a lot where because you are an athlete, because a lot of people recognize you as part of the sports community, that they, they project that type of meaning onto songs, whether that was the intent or not? Uh, the intent is certainly there because I live in a sports type of universe right. uh, in that I, I oftentimes think of, you know, how would this play in a, in a sports montage and stuff? And, and maybe, you know, that's, that's a cynical way of writing music, but... Um, I, I, I like when it applies to multiple things. And so when I'm, when I'm writing, I'm, I'm trying to have it be, look, you can't be everything to everybody, but absolutely at times I write things with the, you know, the vision of, Hey, what would this sound like, uh, to a, you know, montage of a, of a world cup winning team or something <laughs> like, you know, all that, yeah, all that right. kind of stuff. And not just, and not just soccer or anything like, like that. And I, 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 I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you. That's, that's certainly what I do, but a lot of them are much more, much more grounded in personal experiences that have nothing to do with actual sports and whether it's relationships or things that I see or being, being on the road and stuff like that. And so get you back. The second song on the album is another example of where there's multiple meanings and I love it. So for example, um, my, my, uh, my daughter who's 13, when she first heard it, she sat, she looked at it as a much more uh, uh, type of, uh, of n not negative, well, negative and, and kind of a um, get you back in the sense of I'm trying to get you back for something that right. you did. You wronged me and I'm trying to get you back <clears throat> as opposed to the other side of it, which could be actually trying to get somebody back that you have lost, whether it's somebody or yeah. something or anything like that. So once again, I, I, I love those phrases that are able to be interpreted multiple ways. And I don't want. I don't want to bang somebody over the head with uh, with the lyrics and with the song that I that I have. There's times where that's appropriate, but I just I just find myself writing things where I gravitate to things that can be interpreted multiple ways. I had not thought of it as a revenge fantasy, but now I do think that's an interesting <laughs> interpretation. So uh, track three almost got it right. One of my favorites on the album. This is a kind of a strange question, but I think it's a. It, it, to me, it's like an interesting mind into the or interesting window into the mind of of an artist. When you when you have moments where you decide your vocals are going to be like you know la 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 in the background, that mm -hmm. when, when when vocals become instrumentation as opposed to harmonizing the lyrics or or expressing something verbally, when when do you make that choice as an artist? When do you when are you listening to the song and you're saying this needs something else? I'm it's but it's not going to be an instrument. It's going to be my voice just without without the sort of meaning of lyrics behind it i think it's uh, a visualization type of process in that what type of environment and circumstances do you picture yourself 
singing, playing this type of song. And, you know, you know, once again, I, I am steeped in that whole 80s vibe uh, where the whole breakdown gang vocal uh, arena type of situation. And it's not just hair bands or, or, or anything like that. I mean, we're, we're mentioning you, too. I mean, all these big bands wrote stuff that lended it, lended itself to being played in huge atmospheres and stuff like that. But once again, you know, those those types of dynamics. And so the Lala's are are a nod to the recognition that I'm not just playing this in, in, in my room. I'm visioning it being played and having crowd type of participation. And as you know, when right. you're trying to get lots of people to do something, the simpler, the better. And Lala's are always good. And, and to the extent that people can follow along even in real time and figure out what's what's happening. That's where that's where it happens. And this is actually and look, this is nothing. It's not a new phenomenon or anything like that. But but certainly recently there's been you know a, a whole lot of type of breakdowns where it's you know, voice and drums or voice and guitar and stuff like that that lends itself to those dynamic moments where the crowd participation becomes a, a huge part of it and putting it down actually to recording it and getting it to translate to the live thing is is a is a feat in itself. But at least you make the attempt. And so that's where in almost got it right. Those those lalas come as opposed to just putting harmonies uh, to the to the actual verses that are coming. If there's other stuff that people can can sing along and participate in, uh, I think it's all all that much better. This was this was uh, almost got it right. Was 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 almost a nod to uh, uh, a much more earthy type of uh, of of acoustic, you know, uh, hootie esque type of thing right. um, that uh, that I tried to come with. It starts out with the acoustic. The acoustic is 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 featured prominently through it through it, and then uh, and then a, a much more simple chorus, as you mentioned, with the lalas to to uh, bring everybody in. All right, you mentioned Hootie. You have toured with them uh, mm-hmm. back in the day. Look, you, you're you're you know you're you're a well known media figure. You you have connections, I'm sure, throughout the music and celebrity world. So I guess one of my questions was, as I'm listening to the album, I was wondering. Is this the one where I'm going to see like some sort of star-studded collaboration? Is he going to trot Darius Rucker out and they're going to do a ballad together, or is it going to be like you, you know we talked last time about you know having a fond appreciation for yacht rock or hair metal is now when sure. you're going to when you're going to reach out to one of those old guys and say hey let, let, let's come work together? I, I would imagine because you don't do that, it's not about not having the opportunity. It's about a, a conscious choice. Like you are a I hate to describe you as a lone wolf, but this seems. I, I, I do. I, I was genuinely curious. Is is your process just something where you want to be doing it yourself, or have you ever thought about, you know, is this the time I'm going to do, you know, a big collaboration or an album of duets or something else like that? Well, from a from a exposure and ultimately a, a business standpoint, it would be much more prudent of me to access those relationships and to and to figure it out. And it's not something that I have consciously. Uh, you know, fought back against or anything like that. I just, I just haven't figured out a way to do it. And, you know, my wife often will tell me, you know, just because you write and record something doesn't mean you have to put it out. And because I'm in a much more, uh, you know, rapid fire type of, um, uh, of production mode than, than a lot of others. I'm almost living in the seventies where bands put out stuff every nine months or, or, or every year. Uh, and you know, mine ends up being about every two years. All this, all this, this. Although this one comes a year after the one that I did uh, uh, last year. And you know, maybe if if there was, like you said, more attention and or, or collaboration, especially with bigger name people, uh, it would be easier to be able to work the album, and therefore it would last longer. But I just kind of move on uh, on to the next thing. And as you know, the the ability to it's both good and bad, but the ability to record music has fundamentally changed and it has opened it up and given a platform to so many more people, as has the distribution of uh, that music. But it also means there's so much more music for people to consume. Um, and at, at times it's difficult. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not against collaborating with anybody. Uh, I just haven't found the right you know situation. And I really haven't just picked up the phone to kind of do it. I probably should in the, in the future uh, installments. I still believe in you. Let me ask you this specifically about that song. At the end, you've got sure. like the foot stomps and the hand claps. Right. Is the, in my mind, I now have to picture that scene in Bohemian Rhapsody where like they all get up and they're like doing it together. <laughs> but, but that's probably not how this stuff happens. So is that stuff that you have to record sort of separately on its own? Are there programs that let you just kind of like digitally manipulate those types of 
aesthetic sounds and drop them in? Like, what's the actual process like? And especially on the heels of what you just said, that the ways that we can create music now are so diverse because of technology. I, I am curious whether those things originate from more of an analog place or more of a digital. Yeah, they originate in much more of a digital place. Okay, I mean, there's yeah. so many different things that you can get. And so while the libraries exist out there, it's about it's about taking those libraries and either mixing them with other other tracks that you have uh, and or, or or manipulating the actual library sounds uh, that you have. But no, we weren't. I did not gra- gather people in a barn and, and foot stomp <laughs> or, or 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 anything like that. You're not it's, like it, the LAFC, yeah. uh, you know, game, just like getting that audio. Oh, no, no, that mic would be or... good actually. If I could, yeah, I could, uh, you know, <laughs> go and rip some stuff out of, out of there. That would be actually actually kind of cool. But yeah, this one. Um, so. Inevitably, when when I'm writing songs, uh, as I, I'm sure that many do, whether they admit it or not, you are you are influenced by what's around you, what you are listening to. Um, you know, at the time, I was uh, I was listening to a song called "Bodies" uh, by Car Seat Headrest, and if you listen to it, I don't I don't think you'll necessarily see the the relationship or anything like that. And it's, it's just an obscure type of band, but I I love this this song and the way they went about it. And I think I was listening to some of that at the time uh, that certainly bled into what this ultimately came, uh, came to be. But, you know, as you mentioned, this was one that rather than ramp up at the end with everybody in the choruses and the la-las and all that kind of stuff to a big grand finale, this one, it doesn't peter out just from a dynamic perspective, ultimately ends with just my voice. And I, I liked right. the, the progress of of a song like that 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 builds to a crescendo more so in the middle to the to the second third and then kind of fades out into this stark and dry type of moment where it is just the the drums and there's the drums a guitar and a voice and then it can, and then it goes to the drums and the voice and then it's just the voice at uh, at the end to kind of finish it out so there's much more of this um, this hill going up and then finishing back down. Yeah, yeah, and you know, in terms of songwriting process, let me ask you about the the act of naming songs. About because you know, obviously, we, that's the way we compartmentalize them in our heads. That's why we remember them. And I specifically the, the the example for this that I was thinking about was Little Devils because I remember I was listening to this podcast about REM uh, where uh, Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott uh, from, from Hollywood just break down REM albums. And at one point, they were kind of debating. Uh, you know, there's a song called Beat a Drum, but like the entire chorus mm-hmm. is like you know, all I need. And, and, and Ackerman's like, if it had just been called all I need, I could, I could totally remember this song that much more. Little Devils is a great example of where I think like the ready to fly lyric stands out as like something that becomes like a signature hook. And yet something else about the idea of Little Devils like struck you enough to become the name of the song. From your perspective, as you're writing the lyrics, as you're dividing, uh, you know, devising meaning f- from the song, where do you tend to lean in uh, to to a, a, you know circle around the name that you want? It? And and when that happens in a at a part of the song that isn't necessarily the the chorus that's being replayed over and over and over again or resung a hundred times, uh, what what drives that choice? So this one uh, was <clears throat> so it's uh, it's actually there was a um, uh, there was a movie that came out yeah, years ago uh, called Party Monster that actually starred Macaulay Culkin. Uh, <laughs> oh, it yeah. Was, it, yeah, it was this crazy. It was this crazy story. It was you know, a horrible story, but also it, it, it focused around the, the 90s type of party scene in uh, in New York, uh, in New York City and stuff like that. And if you, if you can check it out, it's actually a, a wonderful movie and, and, and a really interesting story. And there's documentaries about it and all that kind of stuff. But so. There's a there's a line in it about it says that get get me to the dance floor and I agonized over that for a while because um, I I I would never nor will anybody ever consider me uh, a dancer of any of <laughs> of, of, of any ability <laughs> a, a, at all but the little devils uh, thing um, just it's just you know I, I'm writing down stuff all the time if I hear a, a phrase or something like that that I think will make a good lyric whether it's a chorus or or, or anything anything else and I just liked the the imagery uh, 
of that. And I also like the build up to that chorus uh, where the chorus is, you know, much more four on the floor going 100 miles an hour as opposed to the uh, the verses that are that are much more subdued uh, in 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 a, in a even more so than a traditional way. And so I just liked I liked the uh, the lyric, but I did agonize over the uh, the dance floor thing. But ultimately, I I kept it, and I think I had some alter alternate lines there that I was trying out, and the, the dance floor thing just worked out the best. Break me down. You mentioned off the top, you as social media uh, performance artist to a certain degree. This song to me was it, it, again in my head. I went right to the idea of you sort of grappling with social media with how many people are just like, you know, now it's such an antagonistic relationship for a lot of media figures, for a lot of celebrities between the people who just want to hate follow them or, or talk shit about them. To Mm -hmm. me, this was like, and again, I'm not trying to impose intent on you where it's not there, but I thought it was an interesting potential reflection of that dynamic and how we interact with each other in a, in, in a digital age from that, I, I guess Rather than sort of put you on the spot and say, was that the intent, which I don't, I don't think you necessarily, as the artist, need to answer. I do wonder, though, about your relationship with your fans as it pertains to your music versus your relationship with your fans or your followers as it pertains to soccer analysis and your, your position in the U.S. soccer community. Are, are they more supportive of the music because they recognize it as a clear passion project? And maybe the people who are yelling at you all day about the way you feel about whatever topic are more forgiving or do you find that the trolls are, are just as trolly about it or, 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 or whatnot? No, I think that the, the music is almost catnip, uh, additional catnip to, uh, to those that want to uh, say something <laughs> mean or <laughs> passive aggressive or cynical or whatever it ends up, ends up being. Um, but in order for them to do so, they have to listen to it. And so uh, if, and when they listen to it and say, Oh, your music sucks then I win already. Because if you had to listen to it at the very least once, that's, uh, <laughs> that's fine. And if, uh, and if you're going to take, and then, you know, as I've said before, if that happens, then, you know, there's, there's going to come a time where I will no longer be here and you will no longer be here. None of us will, will, will be here any, uh, any longer. And we'll be sitting on our deathbeds and we'll be looking back at, at, at life and we'll be taking stock of all the different things that we did or didn't do. And we'll be, uh, you know, saying this was wonderful or God, I really wish I could have done this. And you, you'll think back at all the time that you wasted and all those moments. And in that moment, you'll think back to the time that you listened to my music and then felt the need to tell me how much of a jerk I am and how horrible <laughs> I am. And you'll know in that, you'll know in that moment that I, that I own those moments that you took and in a sense, I own a piece of you and you will never, ever, ever get that back. And so I take solace in the fact that for many people out there, despite the fact that they, they may have used the moment to say horrible things about me, I will forever own that moment that on their deathbed, while they would want to have it back to spend time with loved ones or friends or to do the things that they love, they will never get it back because it is mine forever for all eternity. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, but break me down. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it's um, especially the chorus is, is a real, uh, uh, you know, throwback and an homage, if you will, to some Rick Springfield stuff out there. Um, and the break me down stuff. Here's another ga- a case you were mentioning earlier about where, and do you think about the sports part of it? And this one, you know, especially in the chorus part of it, I thought about, you know, how at times people get broken down and then built back up either by coaches or by life, um, either on the sporting field or off the sporting field. And the ability, which is a, you know, an ever present narrative in, in sports of, of the comeback and the redemption type of story and stuff like that. And that's really where a lot of it came where, you know, breaking somebody down, leaving them in pieces and they're shattered on the floor. And then uh, there's even a reference to a sideline there um, and then resurrecting and coming back. And that's that's where that chorus kind of uh, evolved from. Hmm. And, and, and to close out my specific song questions, when you get to something like who's going to break your heart or mm-hmm. you slow it down a little bit I, here. OK. I'm not, I'm not your manager. I'm not telling you what to do with your next album. But I, I <laughs> instantly went and looked up that's that, that YouTube clip of you. You're performing in, I believe it, you're in Italy. You're singing, uh, you know, uh, Better Than The Rest, the Springsteen song. It's just yeah. you and an acoustic guitar. Well, around here, baby, I'll learn you get what you can get. 
It's a really beautiful, uh, you know, it's a beautiful performance. And I wonder, I, I, I sense in you sometimes like, oh man, I wonder if this is going to be the track that just keeps this with an acoustic like ballad. You know, is this going to be his more than words? Is this going to be, you know, whatever it's going to be? And I, I wonder, do, do, you, do you ever see yourself like steering more into slower ballad type stuff where we might see, a, a, you know, again, you like the 10 song sort of roughly thereabouts. where We, we might see three, four you know, much more slower stripped down ballads or again, is it just like you tend to like more of the up-tempo, a brighter, uh, poppier types of, of rock songs? Yeah, I think from a practical standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm turning what 50 next summer. And so, uh, you know, the, the rock uh, type of stuff and the jumping around type of music, while it's something that I love and, and I love to write, um, it, it it might not play as well, but to, to your point, you know, I grew up uh, ultimately, you know, with an acoustic guitar and just kind of singing, uh, whether it was at friends' houses, whether it's actual acoustic shows, whether it, what it ended up being. I mean, all these songs I can break down to a voice and acoustic guitar, and that's how my music, most of it, music is uh, is derived and at its basic at its basic form. So, I to answer your question, that's a long way of answering your question. Yes, definitely, I I see a much more. I, I hesitate to use the word mellow, but a, <laughs> a, a, a a much more, shall we say, matureish type of approach to uh, to the songs that that I put out that are that are much more acoustic based. That are much uh, much less high energy, but not necessarily, uh, hopefully, not uh, any more or any less uh, any less impactful. And that's something that that I like to do. I, I just haven't had, I think, the courage yet to kind of do it. Um, it's uh, it's something I talked about with uh, actually my, my wife. She likes a lot more of. Uh, we, we, she would like to see a lot more of that. Hey, me, me too. And look, I, I, I really enjoy this stuff. In fact, you know, because I downloaded your entire musical catalog onto my iPod the first time you came on the show, I would say I can't, I can't do anything on Shuffle without Alexi Lalas popping in my ear, like within, <laughs> within, within a four or five song structure. So I, mean, I, I like, you know, and look, if I'm running and, and Gemini comes on or whatnot, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crank that up before we go. I want to ask you about you know, what, what's coming next musically. But here, here's, if you're lying down on your couch, here's my psychoanalysis okay. of, of the album. And again, not what you were probably going for, but I think this album 100% could work as a concept album about the 2019 U.S. Women's National Team that won the World Cup. Hang with me here. Look I'm at, prescient. I'm prescient. Wonderful. Look, okay. look at you. When you get into the line, especially the line about, uh, you know, falling down, we're falling to pieces when standing for something can cost you so much. We're falling down, we're falling to pieces when standing for something can cost you so much. To me, I was thinking about this is a young fan from a marginalized community trying to express what Rapino and some of these outspoken athletes mean to them as people who have taken stands, who have put a target on their back uh, to represent their country. I look at Get You Back and I think teams on the practice field, the process starts now, we're defending the title. Still believe in you. I think about Carly Lloyd, Ali Krieger. Those veterans with one last shot to make the team, uh, you know, the, the, the comeback stories that were there for them. Little Devils, man. I'm just picturing Rose Lavelle kicking that ball through people's legs, juking them there as like the younger team, uh, younger members of the team become the next generation of superstars. Break me down. I think about that moment during the cup run when they became uh, sort of a flashpoint for the Trump stuff. Uh, and how do they push through that, stay focused? I, I look at Just Go Away which is, I think, my favorite song on the album, as now that awkward moment of what, what next? You know, do, mm -hmm. do, do we hand off to a new generation? Do we keep fighting? Are we supposed to retreat into the sidelines and become, hey, we'll talk to you in four years, or are we going to build something within the soccer community here, that within the culture of American sports here that's going to be more lasting?
So again, you can take it or leave it, but what do you think of my uh, hyper uh, over analytical uh, take on, on the on the album as a whole? I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, as I, as we started the pod uh, out, I, I will finish it saying that uh, once again, uh, it, it your your interpretation of it is as valid as mine or anybody else out uh, anybody else out there. I truly believe that when it comes uh, to art, and that you associated it with what happened this summer, which by the way it was a wonderful summer. I had a blast working for Fox and doing the uh, Women's World Cup. And as you mentioned, there were so many different narratives and the, and, the, and the U.S. women's team gave us so much to talk about both on and off the field each and, each and every day. And there is, you know, there is a, a concept album, a, a, a certainly within that arc of, of the way they came in, the things that happened, winning 13 nothing, then going on. And uh, obviously, uh, uh, you know, the Megan Rapinoe story, uh, the Rose the Bell emerging, uh, the listener, you know, talk about uh, living up and, and kind of uh, being broken down at different times because of the Hope Solo narrative and all that kind of stuff and then coming through at the end. So I can definitely make a lot of those parallels and comparisons uh, that you're making. And I love the fact that you even took the time to do to do something <laughs> like that. And, and uh, you know, as we as, as we finish off here, I just want to thank you so much. What's, you know, first and foremost, for actually doing this and listening to the stuff, uh, the, to the stuff that I do and doing it with such, uh, you know, a, a professional and articulate type of way. It, it warms the cockles of my redheaded heart. Anytime somebody <laughs> tells me that, uh, that they, that they listen to the music and, and I do it, I do it because I have to do it and because I love to do it. Um, and the, the fact that you or anybody else will take the time to listen to it, let alone have a, a, a little podcast about it. Uh, as I said, I am incredibly humbled and thankful. Well, I don't have any cassette tapes of yours so i'm always going to be a rung below that one woman in italy but uh, uh you know hey don't hey as long as this podcast exists and you keep putting on music you open invite to come back and, and and share it with us man i love it i love the passion but we started the show just to kind of celebrate what athletes and, and sports figures do beyond the game and and I, I think you got more albums now than led zeppelin man like I, I literally do i think it's great it's amazing oh my goodness oh i know i just keep cranking them out like i said I, I, there's, nothing, there's nothing i can do with it i mean my my diary as it as it were just continues uh you know with my travels and, and all the different adventures that i take and so i hope that the diary continues on for a long time from a musical and a lifetime perspective And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they all do interesting things. And then we tell them, you're being a locker room distraction. Stop being interesting. Get back to watching game film. That is ridiculous. Life is just work and the things that distract us from that work. So on this show, we celebrate distractions. And I tell you, I end the show every week by telling you what's been distracting me this week. And what's been distracting me this week is streaming. Streaming TV. Because... Ladies and gentlemen, as old balls as I am, we have cut the cord in my house. Okay, well, not not fully, but we got rid of cable. We went to Roku, and uh, Roku plus Netflix plus HBO, and so we have I don't know enough of the essentials uh, from a t- live television perspective, and then we round that out with. HBO, which we got because of Game of Thrones and kept because of Big Little Lies and some other stuff coming up. And and Netflix has just been sort of a new experience for me, kind of coming into Netflix within the last year. And mostly it's just being used for um, my kids to watch an endless supply of garbage kids programming when I just don't have the energy to chase them around the house. All that said, what I want to talk to you right now about is the things they don't tell you about streaming when you go to cut the cord. And it's not like I say they loosely. If you listen to podcasts, if you follow people who cover the industry, if you're plugged into Twitter, Facebook, that kind of stuff, you'll hear people with with some of these complaints. But this is consider this my my old person's, you know, my my late thirties person's view of of uh, of warning for anyone thinking about cutting the cord. Number one, you really got to test your internet connection, okay? Because we had we had an old modem, 
or whatever it's called, an old old Wi-Fi modem. It's not dial. It was not a dial-up modem. I do not have a landline anymore. We had, we had an old uh, internet connection in the back. I just swapped that out for a new one, and I still couldn't get it to work because the distance between where that is in the house and like our TV in the front room is uh, you know just too difficult. Old walls blocking the signal, very difficult. So recently had to get a extender for the Wi-Fi, and now I, I spent you know much of Sunday just trying to figure out how to get this stupid thing to work it finally does and it starts to you know improve the signal but let me tell you something for months we just basically could only use one tv in our house because it was the only one that could get a usable signal and lord help you if you wanted to watch two things at once in two different rooms it just was not happening if the game was on um you know not a cubs game because <laughs> i don't get the regional sports cable uh programming anymore but if the game is on or something else like that's going on and i want to pop into the room or my wife is wanting to watch something it just was not possible so Look, I know that means I probably should have been making more episodes of this show instead of watching TV. That's on me. Instead, I was probably just messing around on Twitter. So internet connections got to be good. If it's not, look at those extenders and then just pray that these these Wi-Fis uh, in our house that are cooking every room are not causing us long-term cellular damage. Two, no one really cautions you enough about how hard it might be to watch during peak watching times. And I know this kind of came up with Game of Thrones uh, finale and how, um, you know, the just the, the resolution and the darkness of it was probably due to everyone streaming at the same time. But you really got to kind of think through, um, you know, am I going to be able to watch TV the way I want to when I want to watch it? As more and more people sort of in my generation wise up to, yeah, I need TV, but I kind of just need to rethink the model for myself, not necessarily for what's around. And, and we are flooded with all these choices. It gives a lot more power to the consumers to pick out how is TV going to fit into my life and 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 what what do I need and what do I not need? And I, I just don't think ultimately, you know, as Joe Reed once said, uh, I wish there was just the one simple place where I could bundle all, all these choices and, and get it all at once. And as, as Adam and I told him, yeah, that was cable, man, and <laughs> and you blew it. <laughs> and cable blew it by by costing all the money. So, anyway, that's my old man rant on streaming. Feel free to uh, wave a newspaper back at me and tell me to get off your lawn. Let's end with some shout-outs this week. Shout-out to Alexi freaking Lawless, U.S. soccer legend, Hall of Fame-level broadcaster, and soon-to-be, let's face it, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee next year. Let's Let's get him in first ballot. Just love talking music with that guy, man. He's so much fun, so much fun to break down his process with. And I'm just glad he continues to turn this stuff out. As I told him, open invite. Alexi, you keep making music. <laughs> you will keep getting an invite on this show as long as there is this show. And uh, good place to end. So thank you for tuning back in. Hear us on uh, you know, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, wherever. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. And in the immortal words of fellow musician Shaquille O'Neal, Booty Rappers, Stay booty.